this morning, if, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23, uh, that's where we'll be this morning in our continuing study in the book of Matthew. Uh, this morning, uh, even as we begin this passage and probably the next three messages, are kind of in the same line. It's the idea of who should we follow and who, what kind of person should we be. I know this has happened a million times. It's happened to our kids, uh, and I saw it happen a couple of weeks ago with one of the young moms in the fellowship hall. You know, the fellowship hall is kind of chaotic in a good way uh, on Sunday morning, and there's a lot of people milling around. And, and the, this one particular uh, toddler type was uh, wandering around, kind of wandering in the area of uh, his mom, and I was speaking with his mom, but uh, I, I was watching this little one, and he wandered away, and he grabbed another lady's dress. Uh, you can, you can really only can get away with this when you're a toddler, by the way. You know, if you do this in the fellowship hall, we're going we're gonna to have some problems. But, uh, and and he, he grabbed her, and, and she was very polite. She, she kind of looked down, and uh, she put her hand on him, and he looked up, and he was terrified. He's like, who is this lady? This is not my mom. And uh, to which he went like this. And I said, I think and he, they made connection and they grabbed the right leg. And, the, you know, uh, once again, um, I think most of the time we don't see ourselves as toddlers, uh, but we are. Um, I, most of the time we think of ourselves as competent adults and we're not. Um, and we think that we are not followers, and we are. Um, and this morning, what we're talking about, what's what, a very important subject, it's the idea of uh, what is the identification of the person we're following. And even more so than just who are we following, but are we as people um, are, are we the type of person that somebody else should follow? You, you may this morning uh, go, oh, he's talking about leadership. And I am. I am talking about leadership. And this particular passage really has a lot to do with me, what kind of person I am. And you, you may say, well, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader type. I, I kind of vanilla and I kind of quiet. I, I, nobody follows me. And I want to tell you that's not true. That's not true. If you um, are a boss of any sort, of any sort, if there are people that answer to you, you're a leader. If you are a, a dad, if you're a dad, whether you like it or not, whether you want to be or not, you are a leader. If you are a husband, if you're a husband, um, you say, well, I didn't really sign up for this. Oh, yes, you did. Oh, yes, you did. You are a leader. You're a leader. If you're a mom, guess what? You're a leader. More than you know. More than you know. Uh, I don't know how many times I've heard people talk about uh, as they become adults and the impact their mom had on them, both for good and bad. You're a leader. If you're an older sibling, if you're an older sibling, you are a leader. Your siblings look up to you and, and they follow in your footsteps, either the wrong direction or the right. If you are uh, an, 
you know, if there's someone at this church, some, some little one that looks up to you, I want to tell you, you are a leader. You are a leader. I remember growing up at Calvary Baptist Church in, in Santa Barbara, and there were always middle schoolers and high schoolers that I, I knew their names. They didn't know me. I knew their names. I looked to them. I spotted them in the crowd. They were leaders to me. And so this morning, uh, we delve into a, a very weighty passage, uh, one that will resonate with our hearts. Uh, no matter who you are here this morning, I trust that this will have impact on you. Um, even, I think about, um, this is a great passage uh, for, for you to find your next church, to find your next church. And you, you say, well, I'm not planning on leaving. We're not planning on kicking you out, by the way, either. Um, but I realized, too, that there might be a time where God takes you out of this scenario and for you to find and for you to consider uh, what God's Word says about what the leadership in that particular church should be. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you um, starting in chapter 23. God's word says this. When Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, he said this, the, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to move them with their fingers. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and uh, the best seats in the synagogues, and the greetings in the marketplace, and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher. You are all brothers. And call no man father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. Then he says this in verse 11. The greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would uh, do your work in us, that you would fine-tune our hearts to chase after you and not for the things of this world. That you would draw us back to the place where you want us to be. That you would uh, cause our hearts to be repulsed by the things that are uh, repulsive to you. God, thank you for your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So eloquently, as many times I do things, uh, my first point is called the wrong guy. The wrong guy. And that's verses 1 through 7. The wrong guy, and I want to say the wrong guy, but it could be the wrong girl too, but it could also be the wrong guys. It's a type of person. It's a, it's a characteristics of a group of people that were 
uh, obvious uh, to this crowd of people. And you want to see this in uh, context of the last few chapters. He's had, he's been with crowds, he's been with his disciples, but he's also been attacked by the religious leaders. They've come and they've put him on the spot. Now it seems as though those religious leaders are gone, and now he turns to the crowd, but he's talking to the crowd in such a way about the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And he's describing them at, or, as the wrong guys, the, the people that we should not follow after. And he tells us something about them as he addresses these crowds. He says, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. As you think about that, you, you realize uh, when you hear Moses, you, you connect that back to the Old Testament, and you can uh, connect it to those first five writings, or you can connect it to him as this great leader of Israel. Uh, you can connect it to those five books and really the specific, the idea of him being the writer of the law. Um, and so when they would talk about the writings of Moses, they would look back to him as the originator, the, the one that God used to write the law. And so they, they connect all this, and he, they said that these, uh, these Pharisees, these religious teachers or leaders, uh, they sit in the seat of Moses. And as they connect it, they're saying, their teaching comes from Moses. That's not necessarily a bad thing to say. Uh, some commentators think that, uh, that Jesus was uh, almost mocking them for saying, oh, they sit on the seat of Moses. Or maybe he was just identifying them that they were the ones that taught what Moses said. And, and you get this picture that it is connected, that these religious teachers weren't teaching their own message but the important message that started in the time of Moses. And so he points to them as having this special seat. Uh, this, uh, some said it like this, that it, it, they were saying it was like the preaching from the pulpit. We don't even have a pulpit here. I mean, we, I think we do somewhere in the back room there somewhere. Um, it wasn't big enough, so we needed something, you know. Anyways, uh, Sometimes we say that uh, from the pulpit, from the pulpit. And what we're saying is from the front. And what we're saying is uh, the church's message, the church's message. And so as uh, we look at this particular passage, Jesus sets out at the beginning that they are teaching the message of Moses, which is the message of God. Um. And what does he think about this message? Well, I, I love the way he, uh, Jesus said it. He said, uh, they sit at, uh, on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you. It's kind of striking, you know, when you're thinking, talking about the, the Pharisees. You'd think he would say, don't listen to them. They got nothing to say to you. But he, said, he didn't say that. He said, as they are connected to Moses' seed, as they are the teachings of what God has wanted you to know through generations, uh, as they share with you what Moses said, do what they say. It's good. And as we look at this this morning, this might be helpful for you. Um, 
You, you should listen, you should listen to the message of anyone who goes back to the scriptures. There, there's, this, there's this beautiful picture of that the scripture is always right. Uh, no matter even the messenger itself uh, can't mess it up. And as we understand what God has said, listen and obey. He, uh, he connects the authority of this message to Moses and the inspiration of God. Um, and so as the Pharisees taught that, they were to observe whatever they told them. But then he goes into really two sections, one of inconsistencies and one of showtime. He says, don't follow inconsistencies. Don't follow inconsistencies. And then he lists them there. He, he begins on a, a list and uh, he says, but not the works that they do. And then he says at the uh, end of verse 3, for they preach but do not practice. You heard that before? Practice what you preach? Um, Jesus said it. Jesus said it. You know, sometimes we think that, that there's, there's many things in our culture today that we say, oh, it's just a common phrase. It may be a common phrase, but it came from the Scripture. Uh, and practice what you preach. They, and he was saying they don't practice what they preach. Boy, uh, being the preacher on a Sunday like today is a little rough. Uh, and th this is, this is a, a tight-knit community. Many of you know me. Many of you have been, uh, we've had fellowship together. You know the names of my kids. You, you, sometimes your kids go to school with my kids, and others of you have watched my kids grow up and watched them bite people in the nursery and so on and so forth. Um, some of your kids have bit my kids, too. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> so we're all common here this morning, right? Uh, so uh, as we look at this, we, we hear this phrase, they, they do not, for they, for they preach, but they do not practice. And, and Jesus brings something uh, to the forefront that should always be to the forefront for us. That this message that we proclaim, this message that we share, is not meant to be an educational experience. It, or I should say it this way, it is not meant to be just an educational experience. That as we know more about the message that we proclaim, uh, it gets implemented and filled out in our lives. The Pharisees had a message that they proclaimed, but they did not practice the very message that they proclaimed. And so as we read that uh, in verse 3, for they preach but do not practice. Um, I, I want to slow down here. I realize I, I got a long way to go this morning, but I do want to slow down here and make a point. So don't preach. Is that what that's saying? So don't preach. Some of you, some of you, that's your method. Uh, your life's a mess, and so you say, "I'm just not going to say anything. I'm not going to have a message to the people I lead. I, I'm not going to share the message that I didn't make up, but that came from Moses. That was from God. I, I'm not going to say anything." 
how can I say anything? How can I say anything at all? Because my life's a mess. Well, be careful. Be careful. He still called us. It wasn't that you don't preach, but that your preaching and your practice come together. And really, some have said it this way, and I love it. It's the idea you preach to yourself first. You have this message, you know, uh, we're all, a lot of us are good at uh, talking and sharing what other people should be doing, but that message, that first message between you and the Lord is to yourself. Uh, what God wants to rearrange in your own heart to that we would have preaching with practice. And uh, my title today was the, the idea that a life that preaches, a life that preaches. It's that uh, the practice of our life is sharing the message, and so the words and the, the practice come together. He describes further what this looks like for the Pharisees, for these religious teachers. He says uh, in verse 4, he says, They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. This picture he puts before them is the idea of uh, packing out a horse or, or, or some kind of animal, some uh, beast of burden, if you will. And he puts the, the load on, the load, and he, he just throws it on the back. He throws it on the back, not concerning himself with whether it's too heavy, whether it's packed properly, whether it's balanced enough, whether it's tied on enough. He just throws it on the back. And says, I don't care. It's not my problem. It's just what needs to be done. Uh, as I was thinking about this, I, I, I get this picture that um, of leaders, of leaders, and specifically of leaders in spiritual things. You know what? It'd be so easy for us this morning to talk about the presidential election, right? be so easy let's talk about taxes and make america great again and whatever we could talk about but i want to tell you this isn't about uh nations this isn't about uh uh taxes and benefits and whatever else this is about the lord's work it's about his people it's about the leadership within his his now his church and for us to think in terms like this, that this is the, the kind of thing that is going to change the world, and you say, oh no, the world's going to be, it's not going to be changed. And I want to tell you, uh, what needs to be changed is us. We need to be changed. And so that's why this is so critical. If you think about, um, as I was considering my own preaching this morning, I, not just this morning, but in the years that I've God's uh, allowed me to be a preacher I had to ask the question am I, am I a preacher that puts heavy burdens on people that I slam them to the ground and say hey just, just deal with it just deal with it it's your problem now uh, the message of scripture uh, the, the total teaching is the idea of truth and grace uh, this idea that that the truth is, is shared, but it's also shared with, in a gracious tone and a, a way that we love one another. It's a way that's not crushing. You look at this and the, 
the, the Pharisees, these religious teachers, their method, the way they did things, is just crush people. Just crush them. Uh, don't help them. Don't, don't encourage them. Just throw it on their back and let them fall to the ground. They put burdens on them that were heavy and too, uh, too hard to carry. I pictured this morning as I was studying and thinking through how to... Um, it's like if you took uh, a fifth wheel and hooked it up to a Ford Ranger. Can you get that picture? It's not going to work very well. It's going to ruin the truck, right? And that's the picture of the Pharisees. They didn't care. They, they didn't care. And, and so they just threw this on the backs of their people not uh, concerned to the encouragement of their own souls. It's interesting in the same book, the book of Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, maybe some of you were already thinking, connecting the dots uh, in this passage, but as, as Jesus was condemning and saying, uh, these Pharisees, you're doing it all wrong. You're doing it all wrong. And I want to tell you, he's not talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the crowds. He's saying, it's all wrong what they're doing. Jesus in uh, chapter 11, he says this, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to tell you, if uh, the gospel is crushing to you and not encouraging, you haven't gotten a good message of who Jesus is. Heard it wrong, or it's been spoken of wrong. Jesus said, to walk with me, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's not the difficult way. The difficult way is the way you've been going, uh, the way you've been living. And so as we, uh, we look to God's Word, the first thing we see is he, he's, he's, it's a warning passage to the crowd. Don't follow inconsistency. Don't follow inconsistency. If you see people preaching one thing and practicing another, don't follow and I believe that uh, as he's sharing this with the crowd, he's saying this to them as well. In, in your life, don't be that person. Don't be that person. If, if I can stop for a moment and just say this. Uh, husbands, fathers, you say, my wife doesn't want to follow me. My kids don't listen to me. Maybe you're doing it wrong. Maybe it's the way you're leading. Maybe it, it's this uh, rules and preaching and all these things. But uh, on the other side of things, you don't practice. You don't practice. This isn't your life. They're looking at the two and they're two different things. I want to tell you, uh, it's hard to follow. It's hard to follow when you have a leader who is saying one thing and doing another. Moms. For you too. What a uh, great example you can be to your kids. You can show them the way. You can fo you say, follow me. Just do what I, I do. But, but sometimes you, you have all these ideas and thoughts that you want your kids. You hope for better. And so you, you're constantly calling them to a higher standard. You're constantly doing this. And you forget who you were at that age. You forget your own struggles even today. And, and you never talk about those with your kids. Why? Oh, I don't want them to know. I want to tell you, they see it. Practicing and preaching. That they might come together. 
and that we would not be the ones of heavy burdens laying it on them. And it says it interesting that, that they wouldn't help by even lifting a finger, lifting a finger. Um, what a great, uh, subtly he puts in there, what, what is the great principle of leadership? Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Can I give you a, a little hand? Can I, can I give you just a, enough to get you by? Let me, let me lift that finger. Let me give you a hand. Let me uh, come alongside you. You know what? Uh, if the ones that are supposed to be following you are struggling, spend more time with them. Don't, you know, some of us glory in this idea of teaching to swim by throwing in the deep end. And there's that one person, yeah, that's the way I did it, and it taught me to be tough and all these other things. Yeah, it also taught you to be resentful, and it also taught you to model that to the people you're with today, and it's not good. It's not good. It's not Jesus' method. As we look at this, he says, don't follow inconsistency. And then he goes on really to another section of problems, and he says, don't follow showtime. Showtime. He, he talks about them uh, on the deeds side of things. And then in verse 5, it, it, it shifts and he says, They do all their deeds to be seen by others. To be seen by others. To put on a show. To be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. For they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. This idea of phylacteries, if you look to the Old Testament, you'll see in Exodus chapter 13, uh, there are a couple other passages that speak of this as well. It was a little, a box, a box, a little box that had little scriptures in there. And uh, they they were taking... um, literally what Jesus wanted them to to think through in 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 Exodus chapter 13 verse 9 it says this and it shall be a uh, to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of your Lord may be in your mouth Uh, for with uh, a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt they were to remember. They were to remember. And what were they to remember? The scriptures. And so it was this idea that to keep it at the forefront. And so they built these little boxes that they would be able to strap to their heads. And it wasn't necessarily good nor bad, but it was the idea that it was something that would be a reminder of God's faithfulness of bringing them out of Egypt and that they needed to know what God had said. And so it was this thing. And so some had smaller ones, but others had larger ones. And it was the idea that they would use these in morning prayers. And uh, it would be like the idea that they were still wearing them and going out and you say, did you see? I don't know if you happen to see, but my my, my box is a lot bigger than anybody else's because I, I need more scripture. You know, you know I've been praying, right? You know I've been praying? I, oh, I forgot to take it off. Uh, glad you, I mean, sorry you had to see me this way. Um, it, it was the idea that this was somehow bringing attention to their own spirituality. It, it's the idea of having, you know, maybe uh, you got the big old Catholic Bible and you bring it to church and you're coming like this. I love the scripture, got my wheelbarrow here you know i'm bringing it in then you take it out to the restaurant afterwards just been to church uh you know i went to church not like you heathen around here who are just 
eating uh, and such. Um, it's this picture of trying to draw attention. He also speaks of um, the, the fringes uh, of the clothing. And, and that, that passage is a similar idea in Numbers chapter 15, verse 37. This is what it says. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them. Not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you're inclined uh, after. So you shall remember to do, uh, to do my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Interesting, this idea of tassels that they were to make. A couple of things. It was for generations. It's through the generations that they would remember that they came out of Egypt, what God had done. And secondly, it was to be something that would be a, a, a visible reminder to themselves, to themselves. You get the, the difference, you know, he says the phylacteries and the tassels, and he says, some of you make them very long, make them very long. And why were they making them long? So that everybody would know. Everybody would know. Everyone, when they saw them, they would go, oh, he's got his tassels on. Oh, well, boy, must be a spiritual man, you know. And the picture here is this, that there are great things for us to do in terms of remembering and following after the Lord. But the Pharisees, what they did was they used those things that were supposed to be a reminder to themselves and they use them to be seen by men as great. We struggle with this. I struggle with this. How will people see me? When they look at me, when they look at what I'm wearing, when they look at what I'm doing, will they see me as spiritual? Will I be impressive to them? This was the motive uh, for these religious leaders is how does this make me look as we look at this passage we realize uh, that he lists some other things as well he talks about the, uh, the this idea of uh, the phylacteries and the fringes long and then he, he says in verse 6 he says and they love the place of honor at feasts they love the place of honor uh, where's the most important? Is it up a little bit? Do they, do they get to go first at the church potlucks and stuff like that? I, I really want to be at that place of honor. And they loved it. They loved it. Uh, you, you know, that's my seat over there. It's the important seat. And I love that. It, it was what was going on in their heart. They loved the place of honor at feasts. Uh, they, they, and the best seats in the synagogue. Uh, Whenever I think of the best seats here at Bear Valley Church, they're the back row. They're the back row. They always uh, fill up quick and charge more for those or something like that. No, uh, it, it, in this place, it wasn't that the uh, preference. It was the idea of the best seats. It was like that point. It was, I always deserve to be front of the line. 
I'm always the one because of my spirituality, because of what God has done in me and, and some of the place. He, he goes on from talking about seats and honor in verse, to verse 7 where and greetings in the marketplace. Oh, there's the important person. You know, Let's stop and let's talk to them because they're important. I know them because of their popularity. As he, as he speaks of their popularity, is this whole idea that they love that greeting in the marketplace and then and being called rabbi by others. It's a title. It's a title. You love it when they call you rabbi because that separates you from being just a common person. Now, I've got to go quickly here. Got to go quickly. He piggybacks. Th- those are the showtime. And, and I... I don't need to tell you this, but I just want to highlight it. God doesn't want us to be showy about what, what we are in the Lord. If you find yourself loving titles, if you find yourself loving uh, or thinking, what will people think about me if I do this? You need to stop and check yourself. You, it is not for you to show how great you are in any place of service here. If it's uh, working on the property here, and I did this, or if it's teaching a Sunday school class, I did this, or if I, it's an elder, I'm an elder. If you say that too often, check yourself. If you say, well, you know, I, I, I've been a part of this ministry or that ministry, and we put on this event, and it was great, and, and we are a part of this. And do you know how many kids we had in Sunday school this week? Do you know how many kids we had in the youth group? If you find yourself, if you find yourself concerning yourself with that, check yourself. This isn't the place. In fact, that looks more like what the Pharisees were doing than it is what Jesus wants for us he places for us as we look at this passage uh, you, you need to see this there's one worthy christ if you look at ver- skipping down to verse eight he says that, and it's very peculiar it's kind of hard for us to get through but it says this but you're not to be called rabbi uh, you have one teacher and you're all brothers the idea that uh, all brothers is the idea that we're common to one another uh, none of you respect your brothers or sisters. You just consider yourself siblings. Uh, in fact, you find it funny uh, when others think highly of family members. You're just like, they're just my family. You know, right? All brothers and sisters. It's a, this commonality to it. He says, uh, as you don't, don't think of yourself or to call yourself rabbi. And then in verse 9, it says another one. And it says, and call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Most likely this idea of father is uh, this, they're referring back either to the fathers in the Old Testament or the great teachers of the Old Testament as being more significant, more significant. And he says, no, we, we look to one. Uh, that's our father in heaven. And then, and then he says this, verse 10, neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. This idea of instructor, um, we understand it. We, we see it as someone who knows more than us, who's above us, that uh, we're not as important. And he says, you're not instructors. You're not instructors. Pull yourself down from that level. Um, and there's one instructor, and he says, it's beautiful, Christ, 
Christ. Jesus speaks of himself as a position or a name in this passage. And he says, you have one instructor, Christ. He, he chops everyone down to a common size here. And he says, don't think of yourself as great. Don't think of yourself as rabbi. Don't think of yourself as father over all, the authority of the past. Don't think of yourself as an instructor. But know this, you have one person, and he's Christ. He's the one we look to. Uh, I come to the, the, really the most important uh, point of my message this morning, verses 11 and 12. And this is the right guy, the right guy the right person for us to be, the right person for us to be. I want to even say it this way. This is the secret sauce. This is the secret sauce. Everyone's looking for this in life. They're going, what is it that I'm missing? What is the thing that the reason my life isn't turning out the way it should? What is it that, you know, I try to do things and, and, and I want to give it to you now. I want to give it to you. Um, and before I give it to you, I want to say this. Practice what you preach. That's what it says at the beginning. And so in our minds, we, we do one of two things. We say, uh, I need to quit preaching. No, I didn't say quit preaching. Um, it, it also, like, our other answer is, oh, I just need to work harder and to be perfect. And you feel that? Uh, we are a results-oriented church, right? We're the hard workers. We push through. We get better. We're, we're great. I, I find this fascinating, the way the Lord answered this. He said, don't be like the Pharisees. They, they preach one thing and practice another. It doesn't make any sense because their life is crossing. Don't, don't do that way. Don't do that way. But he says this. This is how he, he ties this together. He gives us the answer. He says this. The greatest among you shall be your servant. You say, how is that the secret sauce? I want to tell you, if you see yourself as a servant in any and every situation, this is the right place that God wants you. As you consider your role as a great leader in your home, great leader to your children, a great leader at work, consider yourself a servant to them. A servant. Help them succeed. Help them do their job. Encourage them. This is the role that he says, see yourself as a servant. And then he tells this great principle. It's found everywhere, everywhere uh, in the scripture. It's the issue of humility. Verse 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. If you find yourself to be great like the Pharisees, if you find yourself to be awesome, better than everybody else, guess what? It says to you and to me, it says to me that, well, this has been a, a, like I said, a difficult passage to work through, and the next two aren't looking so good either, okay? He says this, whoever exalts himself, if Kevin exalts himself, he will be humbled, will be humbled. If you think you're great, if you think you're better, and this is all in the realm of spirituality, but everywhere, really, right? If you think you're great, you will be humbled. 
He will be humbled. But he also says this, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Um, As you think about your life right now, as you think about your week and what's going on, I just want to tell you, the humble place is for you. The humble place is for me. To ask the question, how can I take the humble spot? How can I take the quiet position? It's the difference of of trumpeting your greatness or quietly letting it fall by the wayside. I don't have my three points uh, this morning that I usually do, but I just want to say this. May we all be humble leaders in the places the Lord has called us to. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, uh, help us to not be like the Pharisees. Help us to not be like others, even in our modern day, who uh, think they're great, who lay heavy burdens on people, who preach one message and practice another. God, help us to humbly take our places of uh, service, that we would serve one another, that we would serve those you've called us to lead, that we would uh, more than just lift a finger, we'd lift a hand or two hands or whatever it takes. Um, God, may we not be seeking glory our own way or to be great. And God, grant us um, a spirit of humility here at Bear Valley Church. And may it begin with me. Um, Continue to teach me and all of us here as we seek to be uh, in the spot you want us to be, that humble place. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name.